welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Today we're starting a four-week series on good news. And uh, there you go, there's the screen. And um, uh, culminating four weeks from today will be October the 18th. Oh, and by the way, next Sunday is Daylight Saving. If you don't change your clocks, you'll be here late. Is that right? One, yeah, it's in April, people come early. But, so yeah, clocks go forward next Sunday. So four weeks from today, October the 18th, we have the great privilege of having Craig Stevens coming to share. He's uh, the special envoy in the Salvation Army, uh, which is their term for an evangelist. He's a, a wonderful, uh, soul-winning, um, committed Christian, and he trains people in personal evangelism. And you may remember we had an interview with him when we were doing only online-only services back in May. Uh, and what a wonderful man of God he is. He hosts a radio program every Friday. I think it's about 10 a.m. You can hear him on Rima FM. Great man of God. So he'll be here on the 18th of uh, October, which will wrap this series up. And then the week after that, the children's ministries uh, have a new launch that they're going to tell us all about uh, what's going on in that part of our church life. So today, good news. I brought some newspapers uh, because I thought I should read some good news uh, from them. And yet I find a lot of drama, a lot of statistics... And in the local papers, there's Mrs. Smith who's lost her cat. Um, you turn to the back page, Manly's not in the finals. It sucks. All right, so there's no good news in the newspapers. <laughs> so let's go to a better source, an accurate source, an eternal source, the Word of God. That's where you're going to find some really good news, yeah? And so that's our focus to find out um, the good news, the gospel message of Jesus And today I want to look at how we can share that. Um, I want to start with a quote you may have heard before. Uh, Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Have you heard that? That quote's been bandied around for many, many years and attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, uh, the famous uh, monk from the 1200s who who founded the order of Franciscan monks. Um, The only problem is there's no record that he actually ever said those words. They've got biographies of him. His disciples wrote extensively about his teachings. He even wrote a lot himself. There's no record anywhere that he ever said that. The closest they could ever find, he's got rules for the Franciscan order. Rule 1221 implies that (laughs) there's quite a few rules. Um, we've only got 850. If you're new to the church, you'll be uh, having to go through your initiation ceremony soon. And um, they're, uh, they're not nearly that bad. Um, no, he said, um, that's a joke, no rules, it's okay, God loves you, God of grace, New Testament, it's all good. So um, he said this, no brother should preach contrary to the form and regulations of the Holy Church. Sounds good. And all the brothers should preach by their deeds. 
Okay, so in effect, make sure your deeds match your words. I guess that might have been what someone took and twisted and used a bit of poetic license with and ended up with, preach the gospel and only when necessary, use words. The second problem I have with that statement is that eh, I think Christians can hide behind it. You know, we like that because we think, oh, therefore I could be a faithful witness for Jesus just by being a good person. I don't really have to say anything. The Southern Baptists did a survey in America. It's sad, but they found that 90 plus percent of their members reckon they would probably go through their life without ever verbalising their Christian faith in a personal way. And I'm not having to go at the Baptists because that's a you know well-known great denomination and the Southern Baptists in America produced a lot of great... But just the, the average... Christian in that organisation when they did that, in that denomination when they did that survey, found that they either were unable or unwilling or for some reason just not in a position to put any verbal communication out about their Christian faith. And so again, this statement, I think people might feel like, well, if I'm just, you know, being a good person, I'm somehow fulfilling the Great Commission. But of course, Jesus didn't say, go into the world and live a morally upright life. He said, go into the world and preach the gospel. And obviously, as a platform, it's important that we live a good life, that we're kind, that we are generous to people practically, you know, uh, showing love in, in all kinds of practical ways. <sighs> but we have to be careful we don't suffer from what one writer I read recently called the sin of silence. And he referred to how Peter and the other disciples turned their backs on Jesus at the time that he needed them most and they didn't speak up for him. And we need to be able to speak up for Jesus and not be silent. And so we've got to be able to do more than just be good people. We've got to find a way that we can communicate something about our faith for other people to discover how wonderful Jesus is, what the good news really is, and, and to walk through doors that really do open in our lives. The Holy Spirit does position us at different times where there's a door that opens and there's some opportunity for us to share something. And we've got to be able to take those opportunities to actually say something about what God has done in your life and what he can do in their life. And so what should you say when you have these opportunities? What can you say about your Christian faith? How do you go about presenting the basics of the Christian gospel message. Well, some people get rather theological. Some people go quickly, deep and doctrinal. And uh, that's not always a good avenue. Um, I can remember when I first became a Christian, we did Christian drama skits. And uh, one of them was a guy wanting to witness about his faith to another guy. And he'd go up and he'd say, Hey, brother, have you been washed in the blood? And then, of course, the other guy, you can see where this goes. He's like, what? Washed in the, you know, the blood of the lamb. What? You know, have you been born again? Have you been saved? Well, yeah, I mean, there's this lifeguard one day at the beach. No, no, no. Have you been redeemed, sanctified, justified? What? You know, and all this Christian jargon and, and Christianese, it's like another language. People just can't relate. So if you've been reading your Bible for years, you might understand all those terms and what they mean, but a lot of people don't. So we've got to be careful we're just not, uh, you know, that we're speaking the same language. 
So then flip that over so people can say, all right, well, I just want it to be personal and real, so I'll share from my own perspective. But if you're not careful, that can sound really vague. Oh, hi, look, I want to tell you, God, it's just awesome and Christian and God and Jesus is wow. And it's like just, you know, the vibe and it's Marbo, you know, it's just, yeah. Like, what are you saying? Oh, yeah. You know, and so that's hopeless too. Um, so there are better ways. <laughs> In terms of sharing our personal story, we've said this before, you can even write it down if it helps you, just to prepare to articulate something simple and clear. Basically three things. What your life was like before you, made, before you became a Christian, how you came to faith in Christ, how your life is different now. And if you write, you know, four or five sentences, not to, that you would necessarily want to go and read that to people, but I'm just saying we've gone through this procedure sometimes to actually be able to clearly package your story within God's story and help people to understand how their story could be part of God's story. So that can help. Asking questions can help. Leading questions, right? You know, it's very easy to just spend time with people and the conversation goes on about politics or COVID or the weather or, you know, but we can lead and should sometimes lead, not every conversation, but help people by asking some leading questions. You know, you can ask people who Jesus is to them, you know, whether they believe in heaven and hell. Where do they think they would go when they die? Or here's a good one. If what you believe about God is not true, would you really want to know? Because most people would probably say, well, yeah, I guess I would want to know. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, I'm not trying to be proud, but I, I know some truth. And then there may be an opportunity for you to share that. Even just a couple of questions can help people just come a little bit closer to considering who God is, the claims of Christ, something about the gospel message. And we have these little interactions all the time. Like for me, just yesterday at Coles at the shops, there's the checkout guy and he says, um, the young guy says, uh, oh, do you want your meat in the separate section? Do you want, it, do you want your meat not to be with the milk? And, uh, you know, people obviously are so fussy. I said, no, I don't care. It's all pre-sealed and packaged. I said, no, 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 some of the places I've lived in, we're lucky we've got it refrigerated. You know, it's fine. He said, oh, really, where have you lived? I said, oh, okay, well, I lived in Russia in the early 90s where your meat was just out on the bench with flies on it and you're trying to, you know, oh, what were you doing there? And so then I said, well, we were missionaries there. Ah, oh. and so he told me about his grandmother who was Serbian who used to take it to her church I said what was that like he said well actually God was eh, kind of presented as being a bit mean and angry I said yeah I've heard that before but you know God is a God of love and and this and he's really interested the only problem is people lining up and he's slowing down at the checkout now I'm normally one of those people I'm like come on come on like I don't even like it when someone finishes that oh You've seen, you've seen this. There's a lady. I'm not having got women, but it's usually women with purses, and they've and they've got and they've got their they've got the handbag, and they're chatting and talking, and the, the checkout person's doing this for like five minutes, and finally they say, right, that'll be 125 dollars, and then they get the wallet out of the bag. It's like, why do, could you not have that ready? The card, just tap and go, ready to go. But oh, now you know the less cash. 
fussing around these days, but still. So I'm one of those people that normally like, yeah, come on, come on, picking the aisle. You know when you approach the aisle, it's like, how many trolleys? How much is in the trolley? How much is already on the counter? How fast is the checkout person? Have they got L plates? It's one of those zippy, awesome ladies that are like middle-aged, like, g'day, love, or is it sort of like a dreary, you know, dreamy, hi, how, you, how was your day? It's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm in and out, i got things. So anyway, I'm on the opposite now because I'm like, this is exciting. We're talking about the Lord. And I'm looking over and there's someone and he's slowing down so much. Someone actually took their stuff back off and went somewhere else. They're like, what do you think? They thought, what is going on here? And they took their stuff. And I'm like, oh, sorry. And I'm waiting to hear Nathan in Nile 4, hurry up. And what's that customer saying? Get out of here. You know, but anyway, so we had to move on. But I invited him to church. I just had an opportunity to say, God is God of love, da, da, da. So, and it's very exciting. You know, these moments you feel like this is a good conversation. This is good for you. I feel good because I feel like I'm not just blabbing about the weather. And uh, this is, these are important words that are going on. This can change someone's life. And so if you've got a bit more time than that, then what you really want to get to is something from the Word of God. And without being overly theological and doctrinal, and also without being too vague and personal, the Word of God is an excellent way to transfer truth from God to people, to communicate something simple and powerful that can change their life. Because God's Word is truth. All right? So I want to just show you a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going to give you five particular verses. But look at this um, passage from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. You may know this. Wonderful statement. And it says, The grass withers, the flowers will fade, but the word of God stands forever. See, God's word is eternal, it's accurate, it's reliable, it's full of truth. It's stuff comes and goes, people come and go, philosophies come and go, all kinds of stuff goes on in the world, and but the word of God's always going to be there. You can always turn to God's word to find truth, to find security, to find peace, to find direction, to find salvation, to find everything you need in life you'll find when you read the Bible because it'll lead you to Jesus who is known as the word of God and he will lead us to wherever we need to go in life. And so, uh, and one more passage I wanted to show you, which you may know, this is a, a wonderfully powerful truth here that in Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says the word of God, is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Look, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So when someone reads a Bible verse, they're not just reading about God, they're hearing live words from God himself. God's speaking. The words are alive. It's unlike any other book you could ever read. And it look, it cuts deep inside us. It challenges us and convicts us and exposes us. It shows us who we are, which can be a little uncomfortable, but it can be good for us. Have you ever had that experience when you're reading the Bible and you're like, eh, no, 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 I'll just go to the Psalms. Psalms are nice, you know, because there's some passages that are very challenging. Uh, but that's good. And the thing about the Word of God is all you need to do, if you want to share good news with someone, all you need to do is present it to them. You don't have to argue. It argues for itself. You don't have to fight for it or say, 
it's not your opinion against theirs. It stands alone. It's just truth coming from God. It's going to be seeds planted into their heart. And then you just pray and the Holy Spirit waters the seed and it'll eventually sprout and grow and hopefully flourish. So today I want to give you five scriptures that we can and should all know. Perhaps you already know these and you could argue it should be six or four or you've got a better one, but that's fine. But these, if you know these five scriptures, you can help someone understand the truth of the gospel with just five verses. And it's not overreaching. It's no overstatement to say these five verses can change someone's life forever and for the better. And I should also say it's always good to have a translation in your Bible that you relate to, that you understand, that you're familiar with. The language is useful. I'll use generally the New Living Translation, modern, easy-to-understand translation. Um, and also, secondly, should say that it's always good to have a Bible with you. Now, these days, you can just get an app on your phone. Even the Gideons, we were handing out the physical little New Testaments recently. Um, the Gideons have got a brilliant app. In fact, I was showing, I think, Nadia or Henry, the, um, they've got translations. You can get Russian or other languages and it'll read it out to you. And English, you know, uh, which is helpful in Australia. But... Um, but in one little app, it's awesome. You can download passages and whole books of the Bible in a number of different languages and either read it or listen to it. And so uh, it's really good to have the Bible with you. And it's very good for someone, if you've got the opportunity to share with them, it's very good for someone to read it for themselves. So you either give it to them or set them up with an app or you just show them what you've got and get them, you read this rather than it's, so then it's not your opinion, it's them reading the Word of God. Um, I should say as a side note, carrying a Bible um, has come in handy over the years. I love the stories, and perhaps you're aware of this, of soldiers who have had their lives saved, particularly World War I, when it was quite normal for them to wear a little, to have a little uh, Bible in their breast pocket of their uniform. And the Australian War Memorial in Canberra has got an example, the uh, uh, Anzac New Memorial in Sydney's got an example. All around the world, there's examples of Bibles with bullets that have gone into the Bible and didn't get any further and saved their life, literally. Um, and I think that's kind of cool. In fact, it's not just in wartime. I read recently of a guy in America, Ricky Wagner, was shot three times at point-blank range in Ohio and he had the message... Bible, New Testament, in his pocket. Bam, bam, bam. And they all landed in the same spot and didn't get through. And so, uh, praise the Lord. I hope he was aware of what you know, God was doing in his life. So, five verses and what they tell us. The first verse tells us that God loves us. This is the basic beginnings of the gospel message. And you may have heard this one. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. That's actually the NIV version because its phraseology is very familiar. And I, the others, I think I'm using the NLT, but you may have heard that. And people all around the world, in fact, for years, as you know, sports stadiums, people will just put up John 3.16. And uh, it's amazing how many people don't know what that means. But then someone will nudge them and say, oh, it's actually a Bible. Oh, really? And they look it up. Bam. So if you had only one verse in the Bible to communicate the gospel, this is it. It packs a lot in there, doesn't it? It says it all. 
It's, it, it tells us that God loves. He loves so much. He loves so much, it says. His love is he's so wide that it includes everyone in the world. And then it's so deep because it, it means he sent Jesus, the most precious person. And so no one, when they read this and understand this, can say, oh, God couldn't love me for what I've done. No, you have no idea. I've, oh, I've been a bad person. I'm beyond, I'm beyond the love of God. I, I could, no, no. God loved the whole world, every single one. No one is beyond his reach. Isn't that awesome? And so for some people, you know, that might be enough. We have to read the room, as they say. If you have an opportunity, if you're talking to someone who's a spiritual seeker, they're really open to God. I mean, if they're resistant, you know, you might not get very far. But if someone's open, this may be all they need to go, wow, what do I do about this? Oh, hang on, I've got four more to read you. No, 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 you, don't, you may not need to read any more. You could say, well, you can give your life to God right here. It just says, whoever believes in him, once you pray a prayer that expresses your belief in him and you'll receive eternal life. But many people may think, eh, okay, it's cool. But what's, you know, we can go further to truly understand the gospel. You know, some of the problems with, ah, I guess, late 20th century Christianity, if you like, is that there's been a lot of talk about Jesus coming in to help you, coming in to bless you. Invite Jesus into your life. He'll make your life better. And it's almost as if, yeah, my life is all about me having a good time and I might just add Jesus to what I'm doing and he'll just make my life even better. I'll just go to the next level. But the true gospel is not just that God loves me, it's that I've got a big problem. And not just that I'm fine and Jesus can make me finer. No, no, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And so how we communicate that, again, rather than just express our personal opinion, we can lead people to the Word of God. So the second verse is Romans 3.23. You may know this one. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's the NLT. And so I don't think you need to communicate or, or I don't think you need to convince people too much to admit and accept that once we understand what sin is, that, yeah, we're all in that boat. That if God is perfect and he has this amazing, glorious standard, no one, no matter how good they are, can actually reach that standard. In fact, we saw on a DVD years ago about, uh, you know, how to share your faith, a good little exercise with uh, drawing a scale and saying, right, if... 10 up here was the most amazing person ever. Well, if God's up here at 10 and the worst, and Adolf Hitler's here at minus 10, uh, you know, where, where would you be on this scale? Or where would, where would Mother Teresa be? Oh, she'd be a nine, you know. What about Nelson Mandela? Or oh, 8.4, he sounded like a great bloke, you know. What about this? And what about you? And, and no matter where someone would put themselves on the scale, no one could really claim to be, well, I'll be a 10, thanks. I'm God. I'm as good as God. And so in, in drawing that, you could help someone visually identify that, yeah, no matter how good I am, I'm always going to fall short. And that falling short means we cannot really enter God's presence. We can't be with him. His glory, it's, it, it, it dispels sin and imperfection. He loves us. He wants to get close, but sin has created the barrier. And so that's what this 
passage is, is getting to. And you don't have to unpack and explain it all, but it, it just gives people of an understanding that, yes, we've all made mistakes, we've all done wrong, and it's called sin, and it prevents us from being close to God. So what's number three? The third issue is that, well, this is a big problem, but God's got an answer. And you flick over just three chapters in Romans 6, and you've got, again, Romans 6.23, easy to remember. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. Ever heard this? But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So now we're getting to the good news. Notice that sin has wages. You know, like sin, sin, you get what you deserve. You go to work, you get paid a wage. You're a sinner, you'll, you'll get a wage. You'll, you'll get what you expect. A pay packet will come because of your sin. And what's in that pay packet? Death. Not just physical death, the worst death is spiritual death, eternal separation from God. But that's what we deserve. That's a natural consequence. But look, this points to the answer. There's a gift. Jesus has come, free gift. We don't deserve it. And here he's coming so that we can have eternal life. Reiterating what John 3.16 said. So that's cool. So then we get to verse 4, which tells us that Jesus is the only way. And this is, of course, John 14.6. You may know this verse. Ellen did a great Instagram post on this that must have been on our church Instagram site I saw this week. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one can come to the Father except through me. So this is reinforcing that salvation and a relationship with God is through Jesus and only through Jesus. It's uncomfortable to say this sometimes but there it is in the Word of God. It's not PC, is it? I mean, I've known nice Buddhists. I've lived in a Buddhist monastery, well, for a few nights in Thailand years ago, really nice friend I had. He was training, doing his three-month Buddhist monk thing. They most Thai men do three months at some point, and uh, and I went and stayed with him. And uh, you know, it was interesting. And they were ah, seeking, and they were trying to do the right thing and be good people and all that. Ah, but the fact is. People who are seeking need to find Jesus because it's only through Christ that they're going to find the Father and eternal life and their destiny. And so he is the way. He's, he's the way that we need to go in life. He is the, uh, the answer to life's questions about directions and the future. If you find Jesus, you don't have to worry about the future. What do they say? You don't, know what, you don't even know what the future holds as long as you know who holds your future. And he has it in command and control. And then, of course, he's the truth. Wow, I preached about this a while ago. Our world is a little crazy, especially with some of the oh, alternative realities to truth. People don't like, again, it's not politically correct to say, no, that's right and this is wrong. We're not trying to be dogmatic and, and, and down on, on, on people, but there are some things that are wrong. There are some things that, that are clearly not the best that God has not designed for people and people are chasing after them because there is a devil and he wants to lure people away from God's best to say what is bad is good, do this and it's not the truth and we can find the truth in Jesus and of course life, all we need in life is in him, best life you could ever have. Finally, number five, 
this tells us that the ball is in our court. This is Romans chapter 10, verse 13. So that's all good, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in fact, you can look in Romans chapter 10 at that passage if you want to twist it or add to it where it says everyone who believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth will be saved. So in other words, it's on us. We've got to call out to God. We've got to decide what we're going to do with Jesus. You don't just segue or slide into God's kingdom and God's family because you're a nice person or you go to church occasionally or any other outward behaviour. There's a personal conviction and calling out to God. It says, all right, Lord, I, I cry out to you. I need you. I recognise my need for you. I see clearly what you've done. And so there's a heartfelt faith that has to be expressed to God. Repentance, calling for forgiveness, and we can help people with these verses come to that place. Showing those five verses, admitting your sin, wanting forgiveness from God, believing in your heart that Jesus died for our sin, surrendering to Jesus so that he shows us the way, the truth and the life, and then calling out so he comes into our heart. And um, of course, like I said, we watch for signs. Someone might be ready right there and then, say, great, I, I want to give my life to Christ. Or maybe they're, yeah, okay, well, why don't you come to church and just see what we're on about? Or nothing else, but all right, well, there you go, and you just pray. As I said, you're praying and asking the Holy Spirit to come and water the seeds that have been planted. And sometimes that's all we get to do, just plant seeds. But if it's the word of God, flip, that's a powerful seed. And we pray that it will then take root and flourish. Let me finish with a story on, along those lines. Bill Fay is an American who, uh, and don't hold that against him, even though uh, they're in the, in the news. Isn't it funny how we watch American news and politics, Australian politics, like, yeah, yeah. Dan Andrews, oh gee, yeah, but America, it's entertainment, it's politics, it's like, wow, whatever, you know? I mean, look, come on, you may not be a Donald Trump fan, but he's at least entertaining, if nothing else, you know? Like, wow, talk about characters. Anyway, we love Americans. Uh, we need to, militarily speaking. Hudson will tell you, we need to like Americans. Let's be friendly. They've still got the best army and navy and air force in the world, okay? So, Uncle Sam, don't forget us, please. We love you. So, Bill Fay was this shady businessman. He had ties to the mob. He was involved in racketeering and gambling and prostitution. And he's written a book that includes some of the highlights of his life story. He writes that he had all the trappings of success but he was lost and lonely on the inside. He was on his fourth marriage, having been divorced three times. He was still searching for peace and happiness. And then he entered a season where he started encountering Christians. And God does this sometimes, really zeroes in on people. He writes this, For over a year, off and on, Christians came into my life to tell me about the person of Jesus Christ. When they did, they were insulted, persecuted and antagonised. By him. Many of them walked away believing they'd failed. But I never forgot the name, the face, the words, or any one of them who told me about Jesus. And then he got to know a man at his racquetball club, another Christian, and they would chat 
and Bill would stir this guy up and, and not really receive the input that the guy was trying to bring into his life about the Lord. But this guy had witnessed to him, but he was, you know, a bit resistant and antagonistic. Um, but after 18 months of this casual acquaintance, his, uh, Bill's brothel was raided and people were ringing him saying, you know, where's my money and what's happened to this? And, and he was getting all these terrible phone calls. But this guy from the racquetball club found out and called him and asked if he was okay. And he writes this, that was the first time in my 40 years on earth that anyone had ever asked me that question. I was so struck by his concern for me that when he invited me to go to church with him, I accepted. So he goes to church, brings his wife along. They go back to the man's house. The man's wife starts telling her story, her testimony about how she became a Christian. Bill, this guy, says it sounded too good to be true. I thought she was making it up because she was like, oh, my life was a mess, you know, and then God saved me and da-da-da, you know. He just thought, no, it's just, she's just turning it up and uh, so he turned down their invitation to go deeper and to give his life to God but then his world really started crashing down his dodgy business deals were catching up to him he had been on probation but now it was looking like he had broken his probation rules so he's possibly going to have to go to jail to prison six or eight years he was looking at so he was really freaking out his wife suggested that he calls the pastor that had who had married them and he'd had no ongoing relationship with this guy but he he calls up, he says, reluctantly I phoned. He drove 100 kilometres out to this funny little country church where they had been married, met the pastor. He said he walked in, this funny little old building, and he just collapsed on the floor in tears and he gave his life to God. And, um, and then he writes this, God chose take, to take my life and flip it. I had the first unselfish thought I had ever had in my entire life. I began to think about Tammy, the daughter I had abandoned from my first marriage. When I got home from the church where he just got saved, I found evidence of God's perfect timing. There was a message on my answering machine from Tammy, who I had not heard from in 23 years. She said, I saw your name in the newspapers from all your arrests and I would like to meet with you. So this is the first message he's had from her just after he's got saved and he's starting to think about it for the first time. A short while later, I met my daughter and I asked her to forgive me. She did so. Then I had the greatest privilege I've ever had in my life. I held my daughter's hand while she surrendered her heart and her life to Jesus Christ. He ended up not going to prison, went to Bible college instead, became a powerful minister and he travels and trains people in personal evangelism all over America. The reason I share that is how, did you notice he credited the people who shared their faith and sowed seeds of the word of God, even though at the time he rejected them. But every conversation, every word, every Bible verse was just another seed sown that ended up bringing fruit in his life. And so I think we can really take heart from that to continue to pray, to witness and to be ready to sow seeds, to share the word of God and those verses in particular. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Wonderful. Lord God, we thank you for the, the truth of the gospel, the revelation of who you is, of who you are, and, and, and what the truth is. And we pray for people that we know that their hearts, you, your word says our hearts can be enlightened, that there's scales on our hearts that need to come off so that what seems foolish what seems distant, 
what might seem strange can suddenly make sense and everything falls into place and it's happened for us but Lord we want to help it happen for others that we know and love help us to share our faith to use these powerful verses of scripture from your word Lord Jesus you know if you're watching today online or if you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally I want to encourage you to pray a prayer of commitment just like we've been talking about he is the way the truth and the life your very best life is is one prayer away just to commit your life to Christ turn away from living all by yourself on your own messing up receiving forgiveness hope and direction for the future come and see me today if you want to pray that prayer if you're here at 101 or if you're online call us or email us and we'll get in touch Lord Jesus we thank you help us to fulfill this great commission with such good news that we have we thank you that we are bearers of good news because of what you've done in our lives thank you thank you Lord for the good news Amen. Come on. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Cheese.